All right, so we are making our way through Unit 1 of God's Economics. Unit 1 is Biblical Pictures of Provision, Part 1, From Eden to Goshen. And we are up to the life of Isaac. So we've already learned how out of all the nations of the world who had turned away from God, no one was worshiping God at all, God called Abram. And he said, Abram, believe me, go where I tell you to go, do things my way, and I will be God to you. I will be your God. I will be the God to your descendants. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will bless you so much that you will be a blessing, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. So God chose one man out of the whole world, and through that man, God was going to channel his blessing so that his purpose, his original purpose for mankind, God designed mankind to be blessed. But because mankind messed it up so much, God had to do it in a different way than just dumping out his blessings from heaven on everybody. Because of sin, that's no longer a possibility. God chose one man to put his blessing upon that man and anybody who would enter into covenant with him through the relationship that that man has with him. And that man is Abram. Well, as Abram got older and Isaac was now old enough to have a wife, we learned that in a time of famine, Abram had gone down to Egypt. And we don't know whether scripture is silent, doesn't say if Abram, you know, if God said to do that, if God said not to do that, we just know that Abram went. Well, when it came time to find a wife for Isaac, Abram's son, he would not allow Isaac to leave the land. The land that God had promised Abram had become very precious to him, and he was not going to allow the son of promise to leave the land, not even for one moment. And so instead, and he didn't want Isaac to marry a Canaanite woman, because I don't know what they were into, but Abraham wasn't into them. He didn't like the way they did things. So he didn't want Isaac to marry one of them, he sent his servant, he sent his servant back to where other relatives of his were living in Haran, that place where he stopped along the way from Ur, and then he stopped in Haran, and then he came to the land of Canaan as he was following along the Lord's instructions. Well, he sent his messenger to Haran to get a wife for his son and brought her back. I'm just highlighting that to because there's a another part the land is a very special thing. We're not going to get into the land specifically. If you want to learn about the land and the promise of the land to Abram and his descendants, which are the people of Israel, the Jewish people, there is another podcast course. It will be coming out uh, soon. Soon is one of those wonderful biblical words, isn't it? Um, I don't know if that will be this year or next year, depending on how these roll out, but it is called Jews Israel and Jesus. And in that course, I go on extensively about the promise of the land, how that traces through the generations all the way back to Abraham, how it is an eternal covenant promise of God, the land to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of that. So obviously, this is a big topic which we're not getting into a lot of depth here in God's economics, but there is a, a provision element to it that Isaac never left. He never departed from the land that God promised to 
Abram, even though Abram had, Isaac never did. So then Abram passed on, and Isaac is now the one who is the only covenant carrier with the God, God Most High, with the the maker of heaven and earth. Isaac is the only one in the whole world who has a covenant relationship with God. And anyone else who wants to be in relationship with God has to join up with Isaac. Isaac is the covenant keeper. Anyone who wants to be a part of it has to become a member of Isaac's household. Isaac is the, the guy at this point in time. So during the time, during the life of Isaac, this is after Abram had passed on, there was a famine. Now, this was a different famine. Scripture is clear. There's a famine in the land, and it's a different famine than the famine that was in the land in the days of Abram. So there had been famine, and then there wasn't famine anymore, and now there's a new famine, okay? So remember, the the land is cursed, so famines happen. God's original design, there was never famine in that. There was never any lack in that. There was only superabundance. Abundance in that. But now that the ground is cursed because of the sin of mankind and continues on in perpetual curse because of the wickedness, the violence, the innocent bloodshed, all of that, that there, there will be bouts of curse on the land, including famine. So this is a new famine, different from the days of Abram. But at that time, God, he, he you know, again, We don't know what the conversation was or lack thereof in the days of Abram, but this time God was making it very clear to Isaac, hey, don't be getting any bright ideas to go down to Egypt. Don't be going anywhere, okay? You stay in this land. I'm your God. I'm going to bless you. You just stay right where you are. So let's look at the scripture and what it says about that. This is Genesis 26, starting with verse 2. And the Lord appeared to him, this is Isaac, and said, do not go down to Egypt, Okay, that couldn't be any more clear. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your offspring I will give these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and give you offspring give your offspring all of these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Hallelujah. So we'll pause there. Keep your finger, if you're in your study guide, on verse 12. We'll come back to that. But God is making it clear. You couldn't have missed it. Don't go down to Egypt. Stay in the land. I'll bless you right where you're at, okay? And then he continues. He reiterates to Isaac the same promise that he had made to Abraham. So this is making it clear that Isaac is now the covenant carrier, the one in the earth who's in covenant with God. But this is also something interesting, and we're going to have to get this deep inside our spirit as we start to believe God for our own provision. Now, I'm not inserting us into this story. I'm, draw- I'm about to draw a parallel. Why? Isaac is told explicitly, you are getting this blessing not because you're so great and not because everything you've done has always been perfect in my sight. You are getting this blessing because Abraham 
obeyed my voice and kept my charge. He did things my way because Abraham proved himself to me because Abraham was found faithful and did what I asked him to do. And even, hey, remember that time you went up on the mountain and he tied your ropes down on you and it was going to like kill you and burn you as a sacrifice? Yeah, that took a lot of faithfulness on his part because Abraham obeyed my voice. You are going to be blessed because of that. Now, why is that relevant to us? Well, Abraham's obedience is super awesome, and that is what eventually leads to the seed who we know of as Jesus. But here is a foundational element of the new covenant. New covenant believers, we are not blessed because of what we do or do not do. Yes, I know some of you are thinking, oh, but you reap what you sow. Yeah, Galatians 5, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I understand. However, we are blessed because Jesus obeyed God. We do not always reap what we sow. Old covenant, religion, the ways of this world are you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. The new covenant is you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get good anyway, because it's not about you. It's about Jesus, because Jesus obeyed God and kept God's charge and offered himself as a sacrifice to atone for your sin. You can get blessed because of Jesus' obedience. So I'm just drawing that parallel for you. So Isaac is in that kind of dealio with God because Abraham obeyed God's voice. Isaac is blessed. Isaac is blessed with the benefits of the covenant with God. So let's take a look at what those benefits look like. This is now uh, I'm not talking about new covenant now. I'm back in the story of Isaac and his covenant, the covenant that he's in with the Lord. We're picking back up at verse 12 of Genesis 26. So Isaac sowed in the land, meaning he put his seed in the ground so that it would grow up. You know, people in Western cultures, you 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 know, maybe you're picturing a woman sowing a blanket. No, sowing seed in the ground that actually comes up and produces food. So Isaac sowed seed in the land, and in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. Wow. Okay, so everyone else is in famine, and Isaac is like, just blowing up. There's food everywhere. You know, he plants one seed. He gets a hundredfold return. Now that's God. The scripture continues, the Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. Now, what happens when you have a super abundance? You can not only feed yourself and your own household, but guess what? You can barter, you can sell it, you can give it away, you can make lots of friends. Everyone's a friend to a rich man. Check out the book of Proverbs. It has lots to say about that, right? So Isaac is blessed. He sows and he reaps a hundredfold in the same year. That's what the blessing, the provision of God, God, the maker of heaven and earth, is able to bless wherever, whatever circumstance there is. The rest of the world was in famine. Isaac had a hundredfold return, okay? Just gives you an idea 
of the blessing of God. So Isaac's life is not as complex as some of the other ones. What's really complex about Isaac was just him getting born in the first place, and he didn't have a whole lot to do about that, you know? So that's really the the only highlight that we're going to emphasize in the life of Isaac. We're going to move in to the life of Jacob. So Jacob, Jacob was chosen by God from the womb. Again, not because of anything he had done. He was chosen by God from the womb. Rebecca, his mother, there were twins who were inside of her womb, and she went to the Lord and was like, what's going on in there? And the Lord said, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. But Paul, the Apostle Paul in Romans uh, chapter 9 He makes it clear that Jacob was chosen. This also makes it clear, but Paul emphasizes that in Romans, that Jacob was chosen from the womb, not because of anything he had done, but by God's sovereign choice of grace. So Esau, who was Jacob's brother, he was the other twin who was in the womb, Esau was technically the firstborn. And the right of the firstborn in the natural is supposed to be a double portion of the household. So essentially with two sons, hypothetically with two sons, Esau would have gotten two thirds of the inheritance and Jacob should have gotten one third of the inheritance. That's the right of the firstborn. It's a it's a double portion in the natural, according to birth order. The, the birthright of the firstborn belonged to him, and also the blessing should belong to him. Now, the blessing is the covenant with God. So remember, Isaac was Abraham's firstborn son, according to the promise, according to like through the womb of Sarah. Isaac was the firstborn, so he inherited the covenant with God, the blessing from God. According to birth order, it would seem that Esau should be the one to inherit inherit that. But God chose Jacob. So moving along through the course of their lives, they grow up and Esau, Isaac loved Esau because Esau was a great hunter. He was a skilled hunter. And we talked about that. Here's some, again, the bell should be going off. Ding, ding, ding. Who else was a great hunter? Nimrod, and was being a great hunter, was that a compliment in the eyes of God? Not necessarily. But Isaac loved Esau because he was a great hunter. He could go off into the field, bring back some tasty meat, yum, 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 and we're eating and we've got plenty. And oh man, I love that boy. He brings back some good food for me, right? This was Isaac's mentality. He was also the firstborn, and Isaac was ready to bless Esau. But Esau, he, you know, knowing that he was the favored one, he took his birthright for granted. He did not honor it. He did not uh, cherish it. He did not see it as a significant or important thing. So let's look at the story. This is from Genesis chapter 25. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. 
And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Edom in the in Hebrew means red, because it's like for the red stew. And also he was red, his body was red, and he was very hairy. That's what the scripture also says about him. So we're at verse 31. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Jacob, his name means trickster. So he's kind of up to something. And Esau is not too smart about it. Anyway, 32. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. So, okay, let's just give a great picture of what Esau just sacrificed because in a fleeting moment, he was hungry. He was hungry now. He was like, feed me now. I'm hungry now. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm cranky. Just give me some food. I don't care about my stupid birthright. Just give me some food. Well, all right, let's look at what that really means. Selling the birthright. What did we learn? What did we just learn about the provision of God? We just learned that the birthright and the blessing means that even if the rest of the world is hungry and tired and cranky and doesn't have enough food, that if you have the birthright and the blessing from God, you can have a hundredfold in the same year. Hello, you just sold that for a bowl of soup. What a dope. So the other element that we learn from the beginning is Adam and Eve. God's design is we talked about one apple. From one apple, five seeds in an apple, that's five apple trees. From one apple, God produces orchards for life. Orchards for life. This is walking with God. This is the blessing of God. And you just couldn't wait. You wanted food in your belly now. Sell. Okay, I don't care about my birthright. Just give me some soup. Okay, why am I being dramatic about this? Why? Because, guess what? We are entering into times in this world where we can look at Esau and say, what a dope. And I said that. I already said that. Okay, this is this is how we should be recognizing that Esau just made a major, major mistake. However, it's all fun and games until somebody doesn't know where their next meal is coming from. And that is where the world is headed. It's going to be, again, a one world order where in order to get your food and your provision, you either need to be in covenant with God or you need to take the mark of the beast. Like I said, it's all fun and games. You think it's nice just walking along with Jesus. Everything is great and easy. Okay, that's nice. But especially for Western people, the Western culture where you've never actually had to live by faith, even for your food or even for your provision. It's all fun and games until you don't know how you're going to be fed. So here's my counsel to you. Don't be like Esau. Hello? Okay, just because you're hungry, don't abandon God. Don't despise your birthright. To despise is think little of it. Have no regard for it. Don't despise your birthright. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes. This is what this course is all about. This is why we have to understand God's economics. If you have God, you have everything. 
everything. God knows. What did Jesus say? This is We're going to get into this. There's a whole unit in this course about this. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What did he mean specifically in that passage of Matthew where he's talking about that? He also talks about it in Luke. But in both of these passages, he says, food, God knows you need food. God knows you need clothing. Life is more than food and clothing. Seek first the kingdom of God. God will make sure you have food and clothing. It does not mean all this other fancy lifestyle stuff, but it means don't sell your birthright. Don't sell out on the kingdom of God because you're hungry. God will provide for you. Hallelujah. And here's something. I'm just going to say this. This isn't in your study guide. I just feel prompted of the Lord to, to share this. Fasting is also a wonderful, wonderful thing. We don't talk about fasting in this course. It's not that interrelated with God's provision. However, fasting is a wonderful thing. It breaks your body of the demand for food. It teaches you how to live. Some of you right now, you think you're living with God. You think you're living by the Spirit of the Lord, but you're not. You're living on food and sleep. If you don't have food or you don't have sleep, everything starts to break down. We need to be living by the Spirit of the Lord. What fasting will do in your life is it breaks your your mental need, your bodily need, your bodily expectation of the need for food. And it teaches you how to live by your spirit and to silence the demands of the body when it cries out, I need food or I'm going to die. I need food or I'm going to die. So if you've done a fast and even a more extended fast, then you can be very confident that you can go a day or two or three or 10 or 40 without food. So when that voice in your body starts to freak out, I'm going to die because I haven't eaten today. I have this terrible headache. You can be like, shut up, body, because you don't live by bread alone. You live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So fasting is a great way to start to train your body to not sell out like Esau. If Esau had trained his body in fasting to not be so dependent on food, he could have waited and not sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. So that was a little tangent. I think that was from the Lord. So thank you, Jesus. I think that's significant because the purpose of this course is to equip you for the times that we are living in now, wherever you might be in the world listening to this, and also for the times that are yet to come upon us when all of us are going to have have to believe God for his provision for our lives.